Hi, thanks for joining us today. I'm your host, Nicole. And I'm your host, Jacqueline. You're listening to the first season of Perfectionist. In this episode, we'll be discussing Empire Storms Part 2, which is called Fireheart. I love that. Yes. At this point in the story, the majority of the characters have all come together as one group. I also love that. And that being said, for this episode, we are going to do it in a linear fashion, just from the beginning of the book to the end, discussing all the different plot points. So we will be jumping around a tiny bit between perspectives, but for the most part, it just follows that the main core group of people. There are a lot of major events that happen. There are a lot of payoffs for things we have been waiting for answers for for so long. So you might want to grab yourself a little snacky, a little bevy of choice, and buckle up because we are in for a ride. Are we ever. We start off part two with Lorcan and Elide similar to how we started off part one with those characters. And they're now on their way to Elway. And they're doing this via a boat. So they've they've gotten a boat through some not so great means. <laughs> but oh. they, they have their boat. <laughs> yeah. And Lorcan actually discovers while they're on this boat that Rowan has given him a false amulet. So way back in Queen of Shadows, seems like a long time now. Rowan had exchanged the amulet and I think we knew as readers at that point that it was fake or at some point we found out before Lorcan that it was fake but he now knows he just has a a beautiful piece of jewelry that has nothing to do with the word keys so he's quite upset (laughs) by this as you can imagine because like he's there to hunt the word keys he thought he was one down but no he's back at ground zero and he also suspects that Elide has a real word key. So he's down one, but possibly has another one. And that's kind of the main event that happens with them. And we'll kind of leave them for now, but we'll be seeing them very shortly. Hmm. So these bloodhounds, they they will not leave Manon alone. This is jumping over to Manon. So... One of Erwin's bloodhounds actually finds her on Aelin's ship and attacks her. And I, th- I think it's really interesting because uh, these bloodhounds can seem to shapeshift. Yes. So they're very good at hiding. <laughs> mm-hmm. So <clears throat> she's she's been on this ship. And, and it's a she, this bloodhound. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and so she attacks Manon. But she's caught. And uh, she ends up telling Manon that Erewhon broke Asterin, which is, you know, she's implying that Asterin is dead. And then the bloodhound tosses Manon a leather braided band on the floor. And it's something that Asterin always wore. Oh, so. I feel like poor Asterin has been like on the chopping block so many times mm-hmm. and... I just don't know if she is long for this world. I feel like we just keep getting signals that she's not going to make it. And it's like, is this, is this the time? Is this the one? Are we, is she, was it just her? Was it her in the 13? There's so many questions. I know. And And the thing is, is because of Manon and her position in life, 
And because everyone knows she's close to Astrin, it just puts a huge target on Astrin's back. Yeah, it's very unfortunate for Astrin. I mean, she's a tough cookie and can take a lot, but I mean, everyone has a point where they can't take anymore. Of course. And that the beaded or the sorry, braided leather headband, that's a pretty telltale sign. But I mean, obviously that could be faked, but I just feel so heartbroken for Manon. Like she's just starting to get better. She, like the first thing she asks is for Dorian to see if she can, he can find out about the 13 is clearly weighing on her. And then she gets mm-hmm. this news. Yeah. It's just devastating. Pretty brutal. Yeah. And she's also been recovering from this horrific injury slowly. Mm-hmm. The ill can also attack the ship. Erwin has sent the attack on the ship because he knows that Aelin has a word key. Yeah, something she was like trying to hide from him yeah. when they had that encounter. I wonder, I'm sure it says, I just can't remember. There's so many details to remember in these books. Mm-hmm. I wonder if he knew even then or if he kind of like realized it later. Oh, he probably realized it when she was in Skull's Bay and she used used it. Yeah. Right. I, I wonder if he can sense where they are when they're being used. No. That would make sense. If like if you have one, mm-hmm. if you can then sense it. Interesting. I don't know. Super random fun fact. We talked a bit about other people's magic in the first episode, or part one. We talked about Dorian's raw magic and Lorcan's interesting magic with his link to Hela. We find out about Fenris's magic, and we heard a tiny bit about it during the battle with the sea dragon. But we learn specifically that he's able to slip between folds in the world. Yes. I thought that is such an interesting and unique ability. We haven't seen anything like, it's like teleportation. Mm-hmm. So in, want- in her other world, A Court of Thorns and Roses, this is how winnowing is described, slipping between the folds of the world. So... I just thought that was really interesting. So I'm thinking, okay, so can Fenris winnow? And is it called the same thing in this universe or not? Mm-hmm. I hope that we you can tell us more. If, if we see him use this power more, if you can touch on if it seems similar, if there's some differences there. there it was described in a battle scene in this book, mm-hmm. him appearing and then killing and... yeah. That's, that's, it's used like that. It can be used like that in the other universe as well. So I just thought it was really interesting that she chose to use the same description, slipping between folds in the world. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that is interesting. I think it's a very cool, I wonder where he got that magic from. Every magic seems to be linked to something, but maybe not all magic is. Maybe it's just like the kind of like specific magic, like the malice magic and the hellas magic. Maybe there's just more generic magic. This one seems too special and too specific. I feel like it has a link to a god or something as well. Yeah, maybe. Um, it, it. I wonder if that's why he's in the inner circles, because he can do that special ability, because it, yeah. it hasn't been mentioned before in this series. And um, in her other series, if you can winnow, it's a very rare and powerful gift. So, yeah, it just it does indicate a certain amount of power. Yeah, I think it is the unique 
way in which he can wield magic that probably got him a seat. Also, he's also the one who didn't want to join. But just because he joined for his brother doesn't mean, like Maeve obviously sought them out. Are they twins, him and his brother? Do you remember? No. Oh, no. Sorry. No, I don't remember. <laughs> oh, you don't remember? I thought you were like, no, they're definitely not twins. I was like, okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I'm like, you okay. expect me to remember a detail? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe oh, before I... I had a child, but. <laughs> hey, I don't have that excuse. I don't remember. <laughs> so Aiden and Fenris get into an argument about Maeve and whether she would team up with Erwin or not. And Fenris snaps, nameless is the price of Maeve's allegiance. It can't be purchased. So it's interesting choice of words here because mm-hmm. nameless is also the name of the mark that appears on Aelin's forehead. If you remember yes. us talking about that before. Mm-hmm. And some really interesting throwback to Baba Yellowlegs, where she says nameless is her price, but gold will do for now. So you have to kind of wonder, like, are they talking about Aelin or is it something else? Is it sort of like saying it's priceless? Mm -hmm. It's a very interesting word choice. It seems too spot on. And considering how intentional Sarah is with the, the details and the breadcrumbs that she leaves us, I, it can't be coincidence. And I think it's safe to say we can trust that it isn't a coincidence. It means something. The question is, what, what? does it mean? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so we're going to bounce back to Elide and Lorcan. They end up stopping in a small village to get some supplies. Elide needs some personal products. And she ends up being tricked. And the woman who helps this trickery happen, there's a place in hell for her. Hellas. Place in Hellas for her. Hellas is waiting. So Eli gets tricked in to kind of going into this like fitting room because she's going to get a change of clothes. And while she's in there, she gets captured by good old Uncle Vernon, everyone's favorite evil uncle. And with the help of some Elkin, they are trying to capture her, put her in some, like, flying caravan thing and and take her back to Morath to, like, punish her for having escaped and all this. So Elide's Uncle Vernon leads her to believing that Lorcan has abandoned her and just left her there for him to take. And she starts to believe it because she's like, well, he's not here. I'm going to have to, like, save myself. So she's, like, trying to devise a plan to save herself. And her plan that she comes up with, the only way out that she saw is her Uncle Vernon was like carrying a hatchet or something on his waistcoat or something like that or his belt. And she goes to take it. And Lorcan is actually watching and he sees what she sees and he understands in that moment what she's going to do. She's not planning on trying to escape. She's just planning on using it on herself. And like, I can't be captured if I'm not here. Mm-hmm. So he's like, oh, I need to quickly go into action because if she gets a chance to enact this plan, like, she's done. So he does swoop in and starts fighting the Ilkin and Uncle Vernon. And she, like, helps him fight. And, like, we kind of see her emerge a little bit in this moment. And she mm-hmm. kind of, like, 
joins in the fight in a pretty badass way. Mm-hmm. Really cool. It was quite nice to see. It was. But then something quite magical happens. And this has been, it's been leading up to this. And we talked about it a little bit before. But at this moment, Lorcan tells Elide, I'll always find you. And she kisses him on the cheek and is like, I will always find you too, Lorcan. And it's like, okay, at this moment, this has gone beyond just, you know, a kind of friendship. Yeah. Well, like enemies turn to friends because they're forced to be together, turn to, you know, so much more at this point. And it's like, totally. Mm. So sweet. Yeah. I mean, I'm still kind of like, mm, but I like also really like them together. I feel like she's just <clears throat> the softness that he needs. Mm-hmm. I agree. And I really like that he's feeling something so much deeper for her. And it's nothing he ever expected to feel for her because mm-hmm. he was going to use her as a means to get to where he needed to go. And she was gonna, she was using him for the same reason. But now it's gone so beyond that. It's gone into, it's like, I don't know, it's it's like a love situation. It's just Mm -hmm. so sweet. But they're still very, very, like, reserved in terms of showing that type of affection. But, yeah, they did have this nice moment together. Yeah, it's not like they, like, started making out and are intimate with each other or anything. It's more the intimacy. The intimacy between them is more of their relationship has grown deeper. Yeah. Their friendship. Exactly. It's like they've developed a friendship that's kind of deeper, a trust in each other. Like an intimate emotional relationship. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Not like not necessarily romantic. Do you think because their relationship, at least I felt that it felt kind of tentative still at this point. I kind of thought. You know, it's at a, it's at a tenuous point where they are starting to really uh, find each other special, but it it feels tenuous in the way that I feel like if one of them discovered the other one had somehow betrayed them in a small way, that it might just shut down those feelings like pretty fast. Do you think? Because he's starting to realize, and he kind of noticed this from the beginning before they were even together, though, was that she's quite cunning and and she's very, like, very, very intelligent and can come up with plans very quickly. Mm-hmm. Do you think that him knowing that is a good thing for Elide? I don't, he, he might know her too well in a sense that, like, it's against her best interest that he has gotten to know her in the way that he has. Because mm-hmm. I think he he still has a blood of the Maeve. Mm-hmm. So kind of knowing her in such an like intimate, not like physically again, more emotionally intimate way could potentially be very dangerous. Yeah, I agree. So <clears throat> jumping back to the ship with the crew, Menon, um, Abraxas, Aelin and everyone else. Yeah. <laughs> they they have arrive to make at the noise st- every time. <laughs> <laughs> they all arrive at the stone marshes and start their trek to find the lock. Manon notices that Aelin is wearing the eye of Elena necklace. Mm-hmm. And this is where we find out something super interesting about that necklace. She tells everyone the symbol is actually an iron teeth symbol 
So the, mm-hmm. the eye is the eye of the goddess, so crone, mother, maiden. And the, the central eye in the necklace itself is mm-hmm. the darkness within her. Very interesting that the eye of Elena would be a witch symbol. Like that doesn't mm-hmm. make sense because as far as we know, there's no connection between Elena and witches. Mm-hmm. And like it's called the eye of Elena, but I don't know if she made it or if it was called that because it was like gifted to her. Yeah. So yeah, exactly. It's, it's there's a so if anything, to me, it brings up actually more questions about this necklace and mm-hmm. where it came from and why or even why it's called the Eye of Elena. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. Do you think this could be linked to the blue but blue blood prophets? It's when the first thing like Aelin asks about asks Manon when she learns about the necklace is if any of the the witches have prophecies or know of prophecies. So I think it has to be connected to the Blue Bloods in the sense that the answer was yes, the Blue Bloods have been known to say they have that kind of power. But I don't know what the connection is, but I have a feeling there is a connection. Because just the way that it was asked and like the events around it, I'm like I feel like there's something for like there's a hint here I'm supposed to pick up. I just I wasn't quite wasn't able to figure out what that was. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Same. <clears throat> At this moment, Manon explains the crock and curse. She's already explained to them who she is and her kind of heritage that she found out from the matron during their battle. And now she's kind of explaining the curse to them. And essentially what it is, is I'll just read a quote from the book in the words so that I get exactly right. It says, Rhiannon and Crockin held the gates in her city for three days and three nights against three iron teeth matrons. Her sisters were dead around her, her children slaughtered, her court, her consort spiked on one of the iron teeth war caravans. The last Crockin queen, the final hope of their thousand year dynasty, she did not go gently. It was only when she fell at dawn on the fourth day that the city was truly lost. And as she lay dying on the killing field, as the iron teeth ripped down the wall of the city around her and butchered her people, she cursed us. Cursed the three matrons and through them all iron teeth. She cursed Yellowlegs herself, who gave Rhiannon the finishing blow. Pretty deadly curse. Well, this curse, is this the curse why it is now the wastes? Yes, because nothing can grow on that land she cursed it so nothing could be fertile so it Mm -hmm. become a wasted land so they need to break this curse in order for their land to become livable again Mm -hmm. and i feel as though it's only if they're living on the land i think that other people can get things to grow and have inhabited the land successfully but i think if the iron teeth were to go back then it just all dies. Like anytime they try to occupy that space, right. it becomes infertile. It's my understanding, but I could be wrong about that. So Gabriel then says to Rowan, quote, your beloved's life and the witches are entwined. They have been led here by forces 
even we cannot understand, end quote. I feel like Gabrielle's uh, hitting the nail on the head, as one might say. So we have seen from Aelin's perspective that she is obviously being led there by forces that are difficult to understand. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But I kind of wonder if it goes even beyond that to something we haven't seen yet. Yes. And I'm interested in how Gabriel put those pieces together seemingly so quickly. He seems to be, maybe it's just he's wise because of all his years mm-hmm. of experience and kind of seeing things. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he's really picking up on some subtle hints here. Yeah. They eventually make it to the location of where they believe the lock is, but what they find instead is a chest. So presumably the lock would be inside the chest. I think they decide not to open the chest at this point. I think they just decide to take it back to the ship, but they know it's something special because it has word marks all around it. So they're like, okay, this is what we're supposed to find. It must be inside of here. Mm -hmm. So meanwhile, Lorcan and Elide have also made their way to the stone marshes. Um, They've been following Lorcan's magic. And while they're camping out, they have a romantic moment, but it is rudely interrupted by the Ilkin. So rude. These, these Ilkin are so determined. They're like, everywhere. Yeah, they really are. So Lorcan yeah. sends out like a magic warning signal through the stone marshes. And I kind of, <laughs> I kind of imagined it as like an EMP burst. <laughs> mm-hmm. So do you think, but going back to the the romance <laughs> do you <laughs> think that their romance has any chance especially given Elide's importance to Aelin and Gabriel and Fenris's blood oath to kill him to kill Lorcan on sight and the fact that they're like hanging out with Aelin at the moment yeah i yeah i i wasn't exactly sure how that was going to play out it mm-hmm. didn't it was like oh that's kind of sweet they're finding Love with each other, finding something with each other, respect, I don't know. But I was like, this can't end well. I just don't, it's cute and sweet in a lot of ways, but I'm like, how how does this end well for anyone? Like, there's so many ways that this can go so horribly wrong. Oh, yeah. I just don't see this ending up positively for either of them. Yeah. And they don't even get one moment together. Like, like the one maybe blissful moment they could have shared it gets interrupted by the Ilkin. I mean, maybe they'll have another chance later. There's always that possibility. I hope so, because Elide's life has been pretty fast-paced in an extremely stressful, tra- tra- like, traumatic way. Mm-hmm. She's... She, she, she. This girl deserves a break. I, I would say so, yes. <laughs> I wonder if that's also why she's attracted to him in the sense that he can provide safety for her and has proven himself to be there for her when she needs him the most. So I think she just starts to feel super safe around Mm him. I think that makes... she needs that. I think that makes perfect sense. So thanks to Lorcan's magical warning, a lot... Aelin and her little posse are able to devise a plan to attack the Ilkin. And they come up with a pretty full force, powerful, like hit them with everything you got kind of plan. Mm-hmm. And they basically just have Aelin 
unleash everything. Mm-hmm. And there isn't as big of a risk as when they're on the ship. Cause one, I think she's like, I'm not going to use the word key. And two, they're in the stone marshes. So it's pretty much clear. The only thing around are these like creepy little creatures and stuff. And then the rest of her group. So she can back off mm-hmm. and they can, sorry, back off and be in the opposite direction and not have to worry. So she just like completely roasts them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the others pretty get intense. a couple shots in, but she pretty much just burns them all. Yeah. I think, I thought that it was really cool when Rowan went through her fire to get to her mm-hmm. and everybody else is like, ah, like staying back. And yeah. he literally just walks through her fire to her. Pretty cool. Yeah. I think it kind of goes back to what you're saying about like mates, potential mates having that equal. And mm-hmm. it's like, he is on her level in the sense that his magic complements hers in a way that he can defend himself against her. They are Not literally he fire like, and ice, right? Yeah. Like he, he can do the, the cold wind and everything. So mm-hmm. he can do this bubble of protection around himself so he can get cross safely through her fire to get to yeah. her. They fit so nicely together. They do. So Aelin and Elide finally meet. And so she gives Aelin the second word key. And oh, I was so relieved that they finally met. I was, and like, itching for this moment know, for so long. I know. For books. <laughs> mm-hmm. And um, Elide makes sure to tell Aelin that she only survived with the help of Manon and Lorcan. hmm So Elide is definitely a bit of a bridge between the individuals in the group because, mm-hmm. I mean, for, for obvious reasons. <laughs> I don't yeah. think I need to explain that. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of nice she can bring everyone together because there's a lot of tension between, like, these are not groups of people who would willingly just hang out and go grab a bite to eat together. Like, mm-hmm. they, some of them are straight up enemies. Mm-hmm. And, but she seems to get along with everybody. She's just that, that one friend who's like, hey, all my friend groups, let's get together and hang out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So, of course, we have the moment. We know that Gabrielle and Fenris have been sent to kill Lorcan, and there he is. And so they do. They can't help it. There's nothing they can do. Well, they attack him. Yeah. Yeah. There's nothing they can do to stop themselves from attacking him. Mm -hmm. And it's quite brutal. Elide is just beside herself. She is having, like, the most realistic but horrific response to what is happening. And I think she, like, jumps in and tries to somehow, you know, save him, I guess. I'm not yeah, entirely. there's nothing I think she, she can really think do, about it. but she is going to try. She's going to try. And she ends up getting badly bitten. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I can't remember exactly what the loophole was. But, again, they think they come up with a loophole. Aelin steps in and creates some sort of loophole where they all agree to fight for her on her side so therefore they can't kill each other yet because they need to fulfill fighting for her or something mm-hmm. and that puts a stop to it and Gabrielle is able to then quickly heal Allied right away so she's not permanently damaged even further than she's permanently damaged from yes what happened to her as a child but it was just so emotional that scene like 
her meeting Aileen and then this attack happening and just like her absolute despair seeing Lorcan being attacked. Like it was a yeah. lot. It was a lot. This whole book is a lot. Let's just. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so they're all, so there's like additional injuries on top of everything that happened with the Elkin and Aileen mm-hmm. is pretty drained because she used the full force of her power on the Elkin. And mm-hmm. then all of a sudden, there is a fleet of ships coming for the shores. And they're like panicking because they're like, oh no, Aelin is drained. You know, like all the stuff is going on. Aelin just kind of swaggers down to the beach because she knows who it is, you know, because she doesn't like to share her plans with anyone <laughs> ever. <laughs> and this is where we get a blast from the past. Mm-hmm. We get to see Ansel again. Ansel, do you remember Ansel from Assassin's Blade? So I know. So Aelin and Ansel have been planning this for months. So do you remember back in Queen of Shadows how Aelin used the name Ansel when she was at the pit? I had like no idea that it was going to lead to something. I thought she was just using it because she's like, I know this name. I don't want to use my name. I'll I'll just use this name because it came to my mind. Mm Mm-hmm. I know. That's how far my thinking that, goes. <laughs> that's what I thought too. I was like, oh, she's using that name because she's like, well, if so, they go hunting for Ansel, it won't matter because I don't like her. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or whatever. But so Ansel used her army to take back Melisande. Uh, so the fleet and then took back the capital, Melisande, for Aelin. So this has already been done. Mm-hmm. So how do you think she's going to react to Manon? That was my first concern when she showed up. I was like, oh boy, stuff's about to go down. Because mm-hmm. the thing with Ansel is she is queen of the waste. Like that is kind of like her family grew up in the waste mm-hmm. and was like the, the lords of that territory or rulers of that territory. And she went back after the Assassin's Blade. She went back and, and took back her kingdom, her territory. Mm-hmm. So now she's residing in the place that Manon ultimately wants. Because it's also Manon's birthright to have mm-hmm. that land. Mm-hmm. And it's just going to be very tense for them. As they both truly feel as though that land belongs to them. Mm-hmm. But I feel like there's going to have to be some sort of situation that gets worked out between the two. Oh, and on top of all that, I, I don't want to forget to say that Ansel's like terrified of witches because like she saw a child get eaten by one or something when she was a kid, like that terrifying story she told mm-hmm. Selena back in the day. Mm-hmm. So like, there's a lot of, you know, hate between these two groups, people like the Briar Cliff people and the witches. But I was wondering if, Somehow, because she's, um, Ansel has just taken that Melisande territory, if she'll end up like ruling that territory and then the waste will go to the witches. I think that would be a nice compromise. So, I mean, it could, it could work out. I mean, the waste is also massive. So it could just be that they create some sort of division. Yeah. Yeah. Which I think if everyone's willing to compromise, that could work. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. But the fact that they're both willing to fight on the same side is progress. (laughs) Big progress, for sure. Earlier in the story, as Aelin and her group of friends, crew, was kind of 
sailing towards the stone marshes, they notice a bunch of fires being set off and they were doing their best to kind of like put them out using like different magic that each person had and limiting as much damage as they could. But they didn't really think too much of it. They're just like, Awen's being Awen. He's just trying to make disruption. Like he knows how close uh, Elena was, Aelin was to Nehemia. And this is Nehemia's like homeland. And they just chalked it up to that. But actually Ansel comes in with the truth and it's being, the fires have been set by Faye. So they come to realize that it mm-hmm. actually Maeve has arrived because we knew that Maeve was coming. So she has arrived and the Fae are setting fires specifically to make it look as though Aelin set the fires and that she was like just being a tyrant. Mm-hmm. What a trickster move. It's brutal. And when I read this, I was immediately like, no, they have to set it. They have to like set the set it straight, the truth, right? But, like, you can't. There's no way to really do that. Mm-hmm. So, at this point, they are all back on the ships, and Maeve has her fleet surrounding them. Maeve, man. Just containing the curse words. <laughs> I know, <laughs> and it's, like, so frustrating because when they're up on, like, still on land... And they saw the fleets that ended up being Ansel's fleet. There was like this panic. And you're like, oh, no, it's only Ansel. But like, no, there was like actually a fleet out there to destroy them the whole time. As well. (laughs) As well. Yeah. So it's like, you think you get away with it. But no. But no. So Maeve sends a messenger. And the message is that she wants Aelin to surrender and gives her until the morning to do that. Meanwhile, secretly Rowan has flown to some of the ships in Maeve's fleet to speak to his relatives and ask them to join Aelin. None of them give him an answer, so it's unknown whether they will actually do that, but he has to Mm -hmm. try because they are severely outnumbered and Aelin is completely drained of her magic. And even if she wasn't, with how big the fleet is, plus like Maeve and also her proximity. Remember the blood oath is harder to do the loophole when they have a close proximity to her and now she's there. So this, this is just causing all kinds of problems in every single direction. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's like some of Aelin's top fighters are, could be called back at any second Mm -hmm. and not be able to fight for her anymore. Yeah. And they're sort of a powerhouse in her, her group. Yeah. So that's very concerning. Mm-hmm. But something very interesting happens. We kind of skipped over this part, but way back in the, when they're in Skulls Bay, they have a conversation with Elena. And part of that conversation is they talk about a message that was sent through Diana. Remember when... Aelin got possessed when she used the word key. There was a like a little riddle, of course, a riddle that was said. And they didn't really get what it meant. And they, they tried to talk to Elena about it, but she wasn't super helpful, as always. <laughs> uh, anyways, the, yeah. the poem or riddle <laughs> that was said was, Tell her flame and iron together bound, Merge into silver to learn what must be found, a mere step is all it shall take. But mere spelt M-E-R-E. 
Mm-hmm. So in the chest that they brought back from the Stone Marshes, they found a mirror, M-I-R-R-O-R. <laughs> and this is important because I like puns. And <laughs> <laughs> also, it is important because of the riddle. <laughs> yes. <laughs> And I appreciate the use of the pun in the riddle or the wordplay in the riddle. And so Dorian actually is the one who pieces all this together Mm -hmm. and realizes that the the mirror from the marshes, which is one of those special witch mirrors, it's not just like a regular mirror, is what this riddle is about. That flame, alien, iron, manon Mm -hmm. are needing to merge together into the silver, which is the mirror. So like a mirror step. Uh-huh. They need to step into the mirror. Oh, wow. I love this kind of thing. <laughs> yes. So without further delay, Aelin and Menon go into the mirror and Aelin discovers what truly happened in the past. This is the scene that gives all the previous books, or sorry, This is the scene that all the previous books have been building up to. There are several extremely important things revealed. So Mm -hmm. we find out that Aelin had the lock the whole time. Okay. Whole time. The whole time. Like literally the whole time. The eye of Elena is the lock. It's the lock. Come on, Brandon. Couldn't you just say that? How useless is Brandon? Like, why did he even appear to her? Like, all these ghosts, like, all these ghosts are like, what are you doing? <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> so Mala and Rhiannon made the Eye of Elena. So they cast Mala's very essence into it, which is why Mala had to leave her human body. Brandon had made a deal with the gods to use the lock to send them home and they promised that they would take Erwin with them. Uh, just a little note too. This promise is why the goddess Diana was looking over and was happened to be there when she was able to slip in and possess Aelin because she was keeping an eye on Aelin because mm-hmm. of this promise that Brandon had made. So yes. Elena used the lock to entomb Erwin without knowing its true purpose. And then since the lock was only able to be used once, this completely destroyed the plan. (laughs) Yes. She kind of effed up. Mm -hmm. Like big. As punishment for her actions, a bloodline relative was bound to create a new lock and fulfill the agreement. The person wielding the lock must use all their magic, therefore killing them, in like doing a the ultimate burnout mm-hmm. in order for the plan to work. Aelin realizes what Baba Yellow Legs meant. Nameless, aka Aelin, was the price that needed to be paid. Aelin will have to die in order for them to win the war. Absolute shivers. Still now. That is so, so intense. It answers so many questions, but at the same time, never, ever would have put those pieces together without this explanation. It's like the queen who was promised, yeah, promised to die. Yeah, exactly. 
And Brandon was willing to make the sacrifice. Like he chose to make the sacrifice and was going to give up his life force in order to fulfill this promise. Aelin didn't choose to make this promise. She didn't willingly decide this to give up her This was thrust life. upon her. Thrust so hard. So hard. Very so, upset with you right now. I know. Not you. I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> so I just want to draw some parallels between this whole thing and Harry Potter because I could not get this out of my head. Like I was like, this is exactly like Harry Potter. <laughs> And it's not mm -hmm. exactly like Harry Potter, but there are some pretty concrete similarities, okay? Mm -hmm. All right. So Elena is essentially Dumbledore in the way that Dumbledore and Elena both gave just enough sort of clues or knowledge to keep them heading in the direction they ultimately wanted them to go in. Mm -hmm. And oh, it just kind of makes me cringe. <laughs> It it's, a, it's, a good, yeah, it's a good idea for the story it's fantastic it just makes me cranky because i, I don't want aelin to die <laughs> yeah i know it's like it's so good that yeah. it makes me angry which make makes it so good exactly right i just also wanted to like point out elide's evil uncle vernon and harry's mm. evil uncle vernon and i'm just like mm. There's so just a few there, similarities here. Anyone out there who is thinking of perhaps naming their child Vernon, I'm just going to suggest very respectfully, maybe don't. Unless you want them to turn out to be like an evil uncle. <laughs> just a personal opinion. Take take what you want from that. I'm sure there's nice Vernons out there. I'm sure there are. <laughs> Some Somewhere. Just not somewhere. in books. <laughs> <laughs> Real Vernons, I'm sure, are nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Say they're nice. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so I just I just wanted to point that out because yeah, Harry had to sacrifice himself. And I remember when I was reading the Harry Potter when he like realized that and he he was like, Yeah, okay, I'll do it. I just I remember just crying and crying because Harry is willing to give the ultimate sacrifice for the greater good. So it was hinted on the ship earlier, like backing up a bit, that Aelin possibly is pregnant. And this was demonstrated by her inexplicably like throwing up. Mm -hmm. But she finds out like, no, she's not pregnant. And Rowan's like, you're not pregnant because I could, I would be able to smell it on you, your pregnancy. And later I put it together that she was probably throwing up because she had put together, she was starting mm -hmm. to realize that she would probably have to die in order for this all to resolve itself. But until she'd like gone into the mirror and that confirmed it. Yeah. That's what my thoughts are on that because otherwise why put that in there? <laughs> I think that is exactly spot on. She figured it out earlier but was maybe wanted it to be confirmed before she fully committed to that being the truth. Of course. As part of the memory that we see, it does state that it has to be a blood heir to fulfill the promise. However, there are actually two blood heirs that could fulfill the promise. It could have been Aelin or Dorian. However, in the Crown of Midnight... 
it was decided Dorian was not ready because he had just discovered his magic and really had no control over it. So at that point on, they it was a decision a decision was made that Aelin would be the one to fulfill this promise. Do you think that that could still change? Do you think Dorian could be the one at the end? Or do you think they could team up and do it only using half their life force each and therefore saving each other? That's a really interesting theory. I just wonder if it's the death that is the catalyst to making it happen. Because... Yeah, I'm not sure, but that that could be a really nice way to end it. Would like if they could both survive. I know. I'm just wondering if I'm just, just wondering if there's a loophole here because there yeah. was a loophole for Harry. You know. So is there going to be a loophole for Aelin too? I hope so. <laughs> right? Because right in Harry Potter he had to die because he was a Horcrux, but they killed that inside of him. And he had to be willing to die. I wonder if Aelin's going to eventually have to give up her like her magic or something, but she could still oh, live. Interesting. I I want to... She could like, like burn until the fire goes out. Yeah. But still be alive, maybe? I don't know. Yeah, maybe there'll be something special about her that she can use up her magic and it just uses the magic instead of actually killing her. Mm-hmm. But I feel like I need to mentally prepare for the worst, yeah, a.e. Her, her being dead. I know. But stay hopeful that something might happen to save her. Yeah. Another major thing that we discover in the memories is that Nehemia had gone to the Stone Marshes before arriving in Rifthold. And she spoke to Elena. And Nehemia had figured everything out. She is one smart cookie. Mm-hmm. Was one smart cookie. Yes. Or, or she was willing to pay the price. She was willing to, to sacrifice herself at that time to stop all of this from happening to save her land because she ultimately, like, she wanted to save her people in her land. Of course. So like save the world too. Cool. That's a that would be worth it. But it wasn't for her to pay. She didn't have the the right, she wasn't part of that bloodline, so she couldn't fulfill the promise. However, Aelin said there was another task for her to do, and that she was sent as a guide. So she was going to the castle specifically to kind of guide both Aelin and Dorian to see which of the two could be the right pick for the job, you could say, <laughs> and make sure wow. that the promise was upheld, which is kind of crazy. Like, yes, we knew that she was working with Elena, but we didn't know it went back this far. No, that's mine. It was a mind-blowing reveal, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And, like, just her willingness. She's only 18 at this point in time, and her willingness to sacrifice herself and then she still goes to the castle knowing she's not going to come back like it's Mm -hmm. made very clear like you will die there she's very heroic oh she's like in some ways like an underrated character in Mm -hmm. that she didn't live long enough for us to like get to know her more and have more like information about her character Mm -hmm. but i feel like she needs to be celebrated more because like without her none of this can happen like she's such a 
crucial part of the plan. Maybe, um, maybe at the end of the book, they'll create some kind of special remembrance type of day for Nehemia because I feel like yeah. they should. I hope so. And I feel like something in Elway that like really represents her because like she's all about her people and like I hope that they do something super special mm-hmm. for her. To, yeah, to I'm sure they will her. honor her in some way. Aelin also sees the day that her parents were killed. And it turns out that when she was in the water, when Aerobin, like, because, you know, remember how Aerobin found her? Mm-hmm. Before he found her, she had actually died. And Elena had actually brought her back to life and sent Aerobin to get her, uh, which allowed Aelin to grow up. But I guess the gods wanted Aelin to actually go out and do this quest as a child when she, she was just a little girl there because she was powerful enough to do the quest back then. But Elena wanted her to be able to grow up and everything. Mm-hmm. And so that was in defiance of the gods. And so her punishment that they meted out for her was that she would not be able to see her family in the afterlife. She also sent Aelin to Wendlin so that she could meet Rowan and know love before she had to die. Mm-hmm. so so heartwarming and heartbreaking all at the same time mm-hmm. so early in the story it is implied that each of the main characters at least the females but perhaps all the characters are being watched over and guided by gods and goddesses while in the mirror Aelin and Manon oversee a discussion amongst the gods with each god being described in a specific way And one thing to note is that it says there are 12 ancient kind of beings in this this situation that we're talking about, like in the scenario, the memory. And I found it interesting that they said, well, it said a dozen, so 12. There are 12 main-ish characters. I guess we can call them all main characters because we see their perspective at one point or another in the story. And I thought that was very interesting that there were Mm. 12 ancient beings and 12 characters who are quite pivotal to this story. And that's mm-hmm. if you include Kale and Irene, that mm-hmm. rounds out the 12. So I think that there is a link between the 12 god goddesses and the 12 characters. And I'm wondering if there's actually a one-to-one connection. We do know that Aelin is being guided by both Deanna and by Mala. So I don't know how that works exactly if both of those two were a part of the 12 or if only one of them was a part of the 12 because we don't know who those 12 well Deanna's not guiding her she's just watching her to make sure that the agreement or the plan is followed yeah I guess yeah I guess that's true it's more yeah. that she's being like she has a Aelin has a direct link to Mala mm-hmm. and but I found it very interesting the way that each of the ancient beings that we did hear description of were described. For example, I'm just going to grab my book because I wrote it down. So for example, it says one that was of sea and sky and storms. And I think that possibly could be talking about Rowan because of his power, his kind of wind power. He can transform all those different things. Mm -hmm. One of many shifting voices, both animal and human which mm-hmm. is a pretty dead ringer for Lysandra, in my mm-hmm. opinion. Some of them I'm not quite as sure about. It says, the one who saw all with wise, calm eyes. And I was like, 
maybe Irene. I'm not sure about that one though. The one with darkness and death, I think is Manon. Mm-hmm. The one with a voice of steel and shields and arrows could possibly be Idian. And the last one said the one with three faces, which I have no idea who that is, but I'm sure there's a connection somewhere. <laughs> but hmm. I just thought it was, I thought it was interesting and seemed a little too coincidental. A little too, it seemed like it could not be a coincidence. Yeah, I don't think that it is. I think you're probably right. And it'll be really interesting to see those answers mm-hmm. come to life. So meanwhile, back on this ship, Maeve's fleet has attacked. <laughs> this is not good. Mm. So, but Rowan's efforts, this is pretty epic. And I, I really think this would make such a cool show series because I could see this like unfolding super dramatically in my mind. Mm-hmm. But his efforts paid off and his family joined him in the fight for Aelin. And it's really cool because they actually changed their flags on the ship and uh, to the white thorn, I think, flag instead of like Queen Maeve's yes. flag. Um, so things are not looking good because Maeve's fleet is big. Uh, but Astrid and her 13 show up. I know. Okay. <laughs> so, like, so we forgot to mention like Manon had sent Abraxas away. Mm-hmm. And she was really, really getting concerned when they were in the swamps. Like, where is he? Where is he? Why hasn't he come back? Because she had sent him away for a short period of time, but then she's like, why hasn't he come back yet? She had expected him to return. Because yeah. he's a smart little cookie, and he was off retrieving the 13. <laughs> found them, and they he found them. Alive. Yeah, and when they come, like, they can do some major, major damage. So they attack, and that's fantastic. Yeah, I think that was one of my favorite moments when they came in. It was kind of like, I just want to like stand up and cheer. Like, Abraxas give a, like, and Lysandra. Actual... Yes. Like Manon, awesome. Abraxas as a pair, and mm-hmm. Lysandra. Like, mm-hmm. oh my gosh. I just love them so much. I know. So at this point, there has been no sighting of Maeve. So this battle's been happening. It's pretty brutal. But Maeve is nowhere to be seen, and that is all because this has been a distraction, a pretty massive distraction. Maeve is actually back on land and has taken a lied captive who was left on land at Lorcan's request for her protection, and it puts her in the worst position ever, which is on her knees in front of Maeve with swords at her throat. Maeve also calls back all her blood oaths. So we have Gavriel, Fenris, and Lorcan all there. And Elide is like beside herself because her and Lorcan have formed this incredible bond. But he can't do anything to help her. And she's like pissed off. He's like, dude, I don't care about this blood oath. We have something going on here. And I expect you to like fight it for me. Yeah. And he can't. No, he can't. There, It's a, it's an, a blood oath. <laughs> yeah. And... But she also realizes that Lorcan, when he gave a signal, he actually signaled Maeve. Mm-hmm. And it's like the ultimate betrayal because Elida is so team Aelin, like, and he knows this. Like she has not wavered on this point at all. Like mm-hmm. she worships Aelin and like it was just heartbreaking for her to realize yeah. like how drastic 
like the betrayal went for that. Yeah. (gasps) Brutal. It just like, from this moment on, it just gets like really, well, actually from the point where they walk into the mirror until the end of the book, it's just a lot. It's a big old cluster F bomb. (laughs) So Aelin and Manon return from the mirror. They've, you know, they've traveled. They don't come back to where they step through the mirror. They appear Mm -hmm. on land and they accidentally and unfortunately (laughs) land quite near Maeve. So as it turns out, Maeve has known about Aelin's bloodline and the deal the entire time. She informs Aelin that she figures she's about five years from settling, which I think we discussed this earlier. Settling is when you settle into your immortality. And I mean, Aelin is going like, what? I didn't know I was going to settle, but I guess Mm -hmm. Maeve did. And yeah, Maeve reveals it. And it's kind of mean because it's like, it's like she wants, she wants Aelin to know that she's not only taking away like, you know, 50, 60 years, she's going to take away potentially hundreds of years. Mm-hmm. Um, Aelin, she offers Allied as a trade for Aelin. So Aelin's like, yes, I will do that because she's thinking, well, mm-hmm. I'm going to have to die anyways in order to make this all go away. <laughs> And, um, but then this is really intense. So Maeve begins flogging, having Aelin flogged by the newest member of her cadre, who is described as being extremely, like, like, sociopathic, like, like the guy in Assassin's Blade. Yes, he takes pleasure from others' pain. Mm -hmm. So it's, is that a masochist or the other one? Sadist? Sadist. He's a sadist. Yeah, masochist is like being the one who's being you like, enjoy. like, I yeah. like that. <laughs> uh-huh. Which Aelin yeah. is not. Let's make that She's clear. She's not. So this is obviously brutal for obvious reasons, but especially considering the fact that she's got the trauma regarding flogging because of Endovier. Mm-hmm. And it's like intense because they just he's, keep starting over and over. He's basically flaying the flesh off of her bones. Yeah, and they've, like, stripped her off her shirt and stuff, so she's, like, topless while they're doing this. It actually reminds me a lot of um, the flogging that Jamie receives in Outlander, like, the brutality of it. I have not seen that. Oh, yes, I I was actually referring to the books, but yes, the, oh, you should. It's a good show. I will take that under advisement. Yeah, you should. It's really good. But anyways, I think that it's actually uh, worse than Jamie's flogging if we're comparing to Outlander simply because the person who is flogging her is Faye. So he has all that Faye strength behind it because it's, it mm-hmm. describes that you can see her bone and stuff. Oh my God. Very disturbing. Um, mm-hmm. Anyways, the reason she's flogging Aelin is because she's trying to get more information about the word keys. And then, and then she ends up relieving Lorcan and Gavriel from their blood oath which has a really strange effect on them. Um, yeah, they're absolutely devastated by this. I'm like, dudes, you're, you're free. You could just go about your life. And they're just like wrecked by it. But I think it is somewhat explained that it is a very severe loss. And it's almost like they yeah. can't help. And that. it's extremely painful. But I think that mm. it was probably pretty confusing for Elide to watch Lorcan kind of like, 
be be like that towards Maeve. When, I think she was disgusted by his reaction. I mean, like I would be too, but because she wouldn't have that information or that knowledge about a blood oath being and how that would affect mm-hmm. the person, but or male or whatever or female. Yeah, I have a question for you. Aelin agrees to go. I mean, she doesn't have a choice because obviously she's not going to let a lie die for her. But at the same time, how does she expect to fulfill the promise she now knows exists and kind of do the plan that she had planned if she's going with Maeve? Like, how is that? I don't I don't fully understand how she thinks this is all going to work out. Well, from what I understand, she needs time to regenerate her power anyways. Mm-hmm. So my thoughts are she's thinking, well, I'll just go with Maeve and save a lie and figure it out. <laughs> Just figure it out later. Like, yeah. she doesn't plan on staying with me forever. She, like, feels like she has an escape route. Well, because I thought that what she... Yeah. I don't... Actually, I don't know. That's kind I mean, of what I, don't I thought. Think I thought she, she would just figure it out later. I don't think she expects what's going to happen, though. I'm sure she doesn't... Because what does end up happening is that Maeve places Aelin in an iron mask... Which, side note, I had to then go watch Iron Mask after Venus. <laughs> Just because I'm like, mm, I wonder if there's any, like, clues. But no. <laughs> um, but she, <laughs> very, very different stories. <laughs> she places Aelin in an Iron Mask and an Iron Tomb. So she's, like, mm-hmm. completely immobilized. And it's crazy because when they the tomb is down, it places Aelin on her back, which is freshly flogged so she's laying on her wounds brutal yeah oh i was extremely wrecked me yeah i was crying at this point and not only that but just the thought of having a mask locked on your face like the claustrophobia Mm mm-hmm you know, if that were me, I'd probably just go ahead and die of a heart attack. <laughs> I don't even know if there's a way. She, I was like thinking about that. I'm like, does she even have to eat? Like, how long can she go without food and water? We don't know enough about her biology to know what she can withstand. Like, what's their plans? Like, do they, they must be able. Yeah, exactly. Because like, do they That's plan on taking the mask off to feed her? Well, the bathroom, she's just going to have to defecate herself. That will be yeah. part of the torture, right? Ugh. Yeah, you're probably right. Oh, that moment was just like absolutely probably the most heartbreaking thing. So I did not expect that. Even though I've seen all kinds of fan art, I for some reason didn't expect it to happen at this moment. I thank goodness for my own personal like reading experience did not see any fan art about this moment until after it happened. I feel like Somehow my computer knew I had already read it and then started showing me images of it because I had seen nothing, no spoilers for this, despite my lack of remembering never to look up fan art. And then I just started seeing it all of a sudden. Disturbing, hey? Very disturbing. The, the images are very disturbing. I would they definitely are. suggest if you don't have a strong stomach, maybe avoid those fan They're beautiful in their own right, like the artistic They've done them really well, but it's it's so like, oh my goodness, yeah. Yeah, it's it's hard to look at. Yeah. 
we end up finding out that Rowan and Aelin got married. Did not see that coming either. <laughs> no, that was completely out of left field for me. Like, so far out of left field, it's not in the park anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> so Aelin, as we kind of alluded to, she knew what was going to happen. She had already realized that she would have to die. So she ended up forming this plan with Rowan and Lysandra. So firstly, her and Rowan got married. So legally, he is entitled to anything that was hers because they're married. And secondly, the plan is that Lysandra is going to just take Aelin's place. Mm-hmm. This was going to happen when she died after sacrificing herself to fulfill the promise. But now Aelin has been taken. So... They're going to just fast track that. And mm-hmm. for now, Lysandra is going to pose as Aelin. Mm-hmm. And the next part of the plan is very uh, creative. Adian has been voluntold <laughs> to have babies with Lysandra in the future. <laughs> mm-hmm. So that Rowan's babies will look like Aelin. Because if Rowan has and to look like Lysandra one had babies. Yeah. That when I mean, they don't want to have babies together for one thing. And secondly, uh, it wouldn't look anything like Aelin if her blood is not a part of that baby. But Aelin yeah. and Aelin have, like, basically look like twins. Like, it's been said mm-hmm. multiple times throughout that they mm-hmm. have a very, very striking similarity in the resemblance. Mm-hmm. So Aelin's not happy about this plan. He's quite upset with Lysandra and they had mm-hmm. been getting quite close and like they were like super buddy buddy mm-hmm. and he's he's pretty upset yeah Menon also reveals that Aelin slipped her two the two word keys so Menon the 13 Allied and Dorian decide they're going to go find the Crock and witches and then because of all of everything that's been revealed, we also realize Elide and Manon are from the same bloodline. So they're kind of family like in a sisters. way. Yeah. Not really, but. No, but. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> but we can still say it. We can say it. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's really, really cool. I like that. And I like that they're back together. I think they make an awesome little duo. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're not really a duo because obviously they have the rest of 13 as well, but she's just like getting right in with the coven now. Yeah. And Dorian's going to go with them. Oh, Dorian. Oh, Dorian. I feel like we skipped something absolutely massive. Yes, we did. <laughs> <laughs> we absolutely did. <laughs> this is important. <laughs> this is extremely important. <laughs> By the way... Dorian and Manon end up having sex. Finally. Finally. So all this like build up between them. And like he had visited her rooms a couple of times. And I think some people perhaps warned him like, dude, that's not the best idea. Mm-hmm. But I think he, I think it is a good idea. I think mm-hmm. he knows what he's doing. Mm-hmm. I think he's seeking a little danger in his life. Mm-hmm. He might've even said like he, his last relationship Ended very yeah. traumatically. Yeah. And I think he saw how kind of vulnerable human women can be. Yeah. And I think he's looking for something 
very different. He's not interested in, in being with a human woman because of how fragile they are compared to these like immortals that he's been hanging around. So yeah, mm-hmm. he wants somebody who can who's a little more um, tough and harder to kill <laughs> as yeah. his new lady love. And you might think that in a bedroom scenario, Manon would be the take charge kind of gal. And I think normally she is. But in this situation, which I think speaks to how they are meant for each other, Mm -hmm. Dorian takes control, which is so different because he's quite, you know, he's quite, he lets other people lead quite easily. He Mm -hmm. doesn't need to be Mm -hmm. the biggest, most heard person in the room. He's happy to kind of do his role Mm-hmm. with a back in the backseat kind of thing and in this situation he's like no I'm taking control and like really yes. owns it and yeah. she is you know not sure she's at okay first, with but that totally lets him yeah she lets him it she does also think about the fact that like she has never in all her life and she's you know old <laughs> well older than you know <laughs> like to us she is old right yes. I don't know about which standards but mm-hmm. Um, she has always been the one on top (laughs) and in this scene she is not and she has never Mm -hmm. let any man take that position before so it speaks volumes Mm -hmm. I think about their connection yeah it was it needs to be talked about it did it did so we are getting surprise after surprise with this one surprise we're married and then surprise the prince from Wendelin, Galan, maybe Gallian? better than better than Galan. <laughs> Let's <laughs> call him Galan. Galan. Galan, prince of Wendelin, arrives. So they had sent some letters to Wendelin way back when they were just kind of leaving Terrison, and he answered. He actually showed up. Mm-hmm. He sure so did. That was- Another connection that Aelin has from back in Assassin's Blade is the silent assassins. Because remember how she saved the Mute Master? Mm-hmm. Ilias, the Mute Master's son, arrives along with the silent, assassin, silent assassins. So Aelin She's... has called in all these favors. And as it turns out, she has a lot to offer. And the silent assassins, like that's those are some pretty awesome people to have on your side. Mm-hmm. So I guess um, the ultimate, I guess the, I don't know what I'm trying to say. I know what I'm trying to say. I don't know the word to say it. It's like the ultimate F you to Daro being like, you thought I had to get married to bring you an army. I just found you four or exactly. however many. And I leaders. didn't need to get married in order to do that. Yeah. Yeah. So that's awesome. Oh, yeah. Oh, he will eat his words? He will. And I think it will taste bitter if I do say so myself. <laughs> <laughs> like a not an unripe elderberry. Callback. <laughs> 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 oh my goodness, I love that. So basically in conclusion, where we stand at this point in the story, Aelin has been taken by Maeve onto her ship they're gone mm-hmm. um Lysandra is posing as Aelin Rowan is now I guess in Aelin's 
mind king of Terrasin, so mm-hmm. he can take over any ruling duties and stuff like that if they go back to Terrasin and make that happen. And Aelin has procured a rather large army. Mm-hmm. That's a lot. And mm-hmm. Fenris is the only Fae from the Cadre who, and his brother, because his brother hasn't really been involved in any of this, uh, Fenris is the only one left with Maeve. So he's mm-hmm. with Aelin and Maeve on the mm-hmm. ship. Yes. Which I think is going to come into play. I think it in will come into book. play for sure. That is a lot. On page 418 in the book, the quote that, or the kind of mantra that Sam had taught Aelin or Selena at the time, way back in the day, it comes up again. My name is Aelin Ash River Galathinius, and I will not be afraid. Every time. I know. I know. Just like. And I think that's the first time she uses her full real name in that because she used to say oh. Selena Sardothian. Yeah. And like she's in the tomb and she's still oh my goodness. I like oh, this I can't wait to read the next book. I know. <laughs> I need I know. to know what happened so bad but like it's been nice to discuss it with it somewhat fresh in my mind. So mm-hmm. I'm really holding off to read that book until like we're really ready to discuss it because I think it's going to be like, I have the feeling it's going to be like this book, but yes. like we said, this one amped up to 11. I'm like expecting yeah. It'll be it to be amped up. up like so much more. I've heard Kingdom of Ash like destroys you. And I'm like, oh no. Oh. I feel as though Kingdom of Ash should be sold with a box of tissues. Or at I least agree. like a packet of tissues to get mm-hmm. you started. Mm-hmm. Yep. I agree. Maybe some electrolytes to re- replace all the salt you lose. From <laughs> we should come up with like a care kit. <laughs> yes. Yes. Little electrolyte packets. You'll need this when you <laughs> yeah. read Kingdom A funny little like comic strip for when you need just like to pick yourself up. <laughs> yeah. Oh, goodness. Well, thanks for joining us today. On next week's episode, we'll move on to the next installment in the series, Tower of Dawn. We hope to see you then. Bye for now. Bye. Bye.